It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Jeff Cameron Show, at least for today. Great to be with you. Thanks for tuning in up, Jeff. That is Director Matthew. We're online, ESPNTalaska.com. We're also on Terrestrial Radio. Thanks for listening, if that's where you are. And uh, I'm Jeff on YouTube as well. Hey, YouTubers. How the hell are you? You want to email the show? Feel free. Fire away. JCS and I. It's been radio.com on Twitter. It's at Jay Cambridge Show. And uh, I think we're caught up. Yeah, man. I should recap for everybody that's just tuning in. I got caught up. I meant to be here yesterday. Couldn't be here yesterday. Damn shingle shot. Knocked me for a loop. Back with you today. Weighed in on some of the things that happened while I was away. Obviously, a few of those days were vacation. Some of that was uh, what I just mentioned and missing some time. But uh, I gave you my thoughts uh, earlier today on, on Marcus Cushing, the player that came, comes in and will rush off the edge for Florida State out of Alabama A&M. Sort of a good and bad sort of thing in that I think a player that, that's going to come in here and maybe help this defense, uh, but then also real, really kind of recognizing that, uh, my goodness gracious, uh, we're, we're having to take kids, nothing against that kid at all, but we're having to take kids from Alabama A&M. Uh, and, and you know what? Does he help us right now? Yes. Is it an indicator that we got a long way to go where a player that transfers in from a school that small can come in and help you right off the bat? I'm not saying there aren't outliers at schools like that, but, uh, yeah, I think it's true. I think that's true. But also, uh, I weighed in, uh, in, that, in earlier in the show uh, on what I think is a really important hire for Florida State. It's, it's very exciting um, as we watch Florida State, uh, you know, I guess just overall add – to uh, its its opportunity to succeed in the very near future and up and raise the floor, if you will. And that was the hiring of uh, Kenyatta Watson uh, as the new director of player relations. That's just a huge hire. It cannot be understated how important it is to have somebody that can get uh, connected, somebody that is, that can get you in the door there in Georgia, at Georgia High School. Uh, Georgia high schools. There's so much talent in that state, so much talent in the Southeast, and you want a guy like that that helps open the doors. And if you just look at the hires that Florida State, Mike Norvell, has made, 
since arriving to help him out in all aspects of rebuilding this program. I think on the whole, you're going to give him an A. And for me, and I'll reiterate the point for those of you just jumping in your car on your way home, you know, the time that it takes to rebuild to get to where you want to go is one that it, 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 it certainly feels interminable when you're struggling. It's, it's so tough to deal with the fact that you can't turn around a football team overnight. You can make headway. You can make great strides. You can produce evidence that you're moving in the right direction, and that buoys fans, and that creates momentum on and off the field, meaning the participation from those that support the program financially, emotionally, or otherwise, uh, butts and seats, that kind of stuff. That You'll see an uptick in that if there's evidence that things are getting better. And this is a big season for that. But when you go through the offseason, so-called lion season, which is what we're in now, where we lie to ourselves about what's possible because we've got a lot of time to kill until we get to where we want to go, yeah, sure, you can end up drinking the Kool-Aid, as the kids say, and get, uh, or as a lot of people like to say, too much. And uh, you can become delusion- delusional, but... I also think that you can be a realist and be very pragmatic about what's been done in the offseason and get excited about it. I think there's a you can do both. You can you can understand that it doesn't mean just because you made all the right moves in the offseason that you're suddenly going to be a great football team, but it can mean that you're moving in the right direction and will soon get there because of those choices. And I think that's what this offseason has been about. When you think about the transfer portal guys, the guys that come in here uh, that have maybe a year or grad transfers, guys that come in here – did they raise the floor for your football team? Did you get better? Did those guys coming in make you better? I think the answer to that is a resounding yes. And one of the reasons is it's not just the guys that will come in and start right away that are better caliber players than the ones they're replacing. There is evidence of that. We do have guys that are coming in. They're going to be inserted into the lineup, and they're likely going to be better players than those that they're replacing. So that's an immediate, all right, makes me feel better. We got better there. There's evidence of that physically. We can see a guy who's bigger, stronger, faster, thus he'll likely be better. But also all of it, and I continue to say this and stress this, a lot of times this all adds up to are you creating uh, much better competition in practice. The intensity and the level of competition in practice will directly lead to uh, a higher floor and greater effort and focus because jobs are at stake, competition is good in every walk of life, expressly in the way that it creates the kind of tension and focus that brings out the best in people, knowing that if that's not there, they will not be able to live their dream. They will not be able to achieve their goals. They're going to have to fight for it, work for it, because there's somebody across from them who wants it as bad as they do and have the ability to take it. That's what you're trying to create. And I thought for too long here, not only were we not good enough, we weren't big enough, strong enough, fast enough in the way that we need to be and have the depth of the talent each segment group needs to create competition. We weren't those things, and that is aggravating, very frustrating. It can't happen overnight, but now I think you're creating that with the guys that you're bringing in. And then you look at the off-the-field hires Norvell has made to his staff, and I think all of this uh, leads to, or certainly looks to be, that signs are pointing north. Things are getting better. There's real momentum. I think the best way to look at this is when you hear, for example, 
or coaches, opposing coaches and fans' effort to negate what's happening at your school, it's because they're paying attention. They understand things are beginning to shift for the better at their rival's school. And you're not talked about if you're not a threat. You're not talked about if you're not, while operating at peak efficiency, capable of knocking them from their perch. We've heard a lot of talk about Florida State's coaches, Florida State's recruits, Florida State's commitments, Florida State's efforts from our rivals, haven't we? From our rivals' fans and even coaches in some cases. Little pot shots being taken here or there because Florida State has been down and Florida State hasn't been good. You know, most of the time when you're down like that and you're coming off a 3-6 and six season and you haven't been relevant as it relates to the you know, highest levels of college football over the last five years, there's no need to talk about you. You're just ignored. You're not in the conversation. And Florida State's pretty much not in the conversation for, like, say, a conference championship this year or certainly not a college football playoff appearance. But because they've done well, both in getting and garnering commitments, verbals from high-caliber players for the upcoming class, because they have found their way into the top ten in the recruiting world this off a three and six season because they've made the hires that they've made off the field and to the coaching staff, like a Kenyatta Watson, while it was a way to become director of player relations. And because there seems to be very real, authentic and tangible momentum, positive momentum going for Florida state. You're hearing people talk about Florida state. Uh, you're hearing Schools that we seek to surpass and that when operating at peak efficiency, we do surpass. Commenting. I don't need that. It's not something that you relish in. You still got to play the game, still got to get better. There's work to be done. It's just something of note. It's something to get excited about because I believe it's in direct, uh, it, it's, it's the direct result of good decisions being made by Mike Norvell. That's all you ask. Can I check the boxes, as I said before? Are we making the right moves, the right decisions? Are the guys in charge? Are, are, they, are they giving me evidence of a, of a real plan in place to get this thing back up and running the way that it needs to be? I think the answer to that is yes, and this was another significant piece and in in, in step in the right direction. Kenyatta Watson, that made headlines. If you're just in that world of college football and you you know I, I don't know if you'd say message board or twitter or whatever you're just amongst the other college football fanatics that did not go unnoticed people went oh okay and i said it earlier and i'll say it again here now you're cooking with gas now you're getting guys in here that can open doors and when you couple that with what they've already done when you look at the class that has verbally committed, now you got to sustain those commitments. you got to get them to officially sign when the time is right. But when you look at the yeses that they've received and when you look at the on-campus visits and the recruiting visits that were able to take place and the way they organized those and put those together and the feelings that it gave those kids and the comments that they made and how that resonated with them, you've done all that already with no success on the field and you've made these hires that are only going to further your efforts in that realm. You can't help but be excited. So that's my reaction to the hiring of Kenyatta Watson. That's my reaction to Marcus Kashin signing. Is he the be-all 
Wendell, is he going to change what Florida State does defensively and getting to the passer? Probably not. Is he uh, somebody that can contribute right away? I think so. Is he, in my mind, a pass rush specialist and that – you know, he'll get snaps on third and obvious when you're just going to pin your ears. I think that's what he is. Is he going to be elite? No, probably not. No, I don't think so. I don't think he's long enough. I don't think he's uh, big enough, uh, strong enough necessarily to, to dominate tackles across the board. But I do think he's talented enough and quick enough. He is twitchy, and we haven't been twitchy in a while. So, okay. God, I can't get here soon enough. ACC kickoff next week. Not one that I'm going to be at. First time I'm going to miss ACC kickoff, uh, oh, God, for as long as I can remember. First year I'm not going to be there. Has to do with being betwixt and between. You know how it is, guys. Still figuring out situations, but uh, not going to be there this year. Plenty of uh, trustworthy folks whose information I rely upon uh, will be there, and we'll, we'll get what we need. Chef Cameron Show, 97.9 ESPN Radio. What we want. Uh, Got to give us what we need. So I was asked a few weeks back about why so many people dislike Bryson DeChambeau. Here's a quote after the round today from Bryson, who was plus one and found four of 14 fairways at uh, Royal St. George's. Think about it this way. There is so much, before I read the quote, there is so much emphasis on branding, Think of yourself as a corporation. Figure out what your brand is. Play to it. What makes you unique? Also understand that if you are a brand, and all of this makes me uncomfortable, I anyhow, there's a bigger conversation to be had here. But also understanding as a realist that this is partly true. And certainly in the world of golf, these are all independent contractors. These are all one-man bands, businesses, if you will. They're the guys that go out there and are either imminently in, uh, you know, marketable or not. And you can make tons of money if, in fact, you are. If you have a unique school skill set or a way of looking at the world and presenting yourself and commenting on the game itself or creating something that sets you apart from everybody else within your sport, whatever it might be. And Bryson has done that. I, I will repeatedly say Bryson DeChambeau is great for the game of golf. He is a really charismatic, not in a good way in my mind, but uh, interesting, polarizing figure in the world of golf. And I'd rather have that in the sport than not. We need interesting figures in the game because it's not every day you get a transcendent player who is captivating solely through sheer dominance like Tiger Woods. We don't get many Tiger Woods. In fact, we've only ever seen one other guy who's as good as Tiger Woods, in fact, slightly better, and that's Jack. Everybody else has just wished that they were as good as Jack and Tiger, and nobody else is. But there have been plenty of guys that drew you to the television that could really play and were Hall of Famers in their own right. In fact, in Tiger's era, there is Phil Mickelson, who is that guy as well. 
but Bryson DeChambeau is marketable and interesting. Also easy to pick on. And it's comments like this that make him, at times, really easy to make fun of and how it is he becomes a mark and why it is you hear rumblings that really virtually nobody on tour likes him. He finishes plus one. He's asked about it, and this is his answer. The driver sucks. It's not a good face for me. We're still trying to figure out how to make it good on my mishits. You know, I'm living on the razor's edge, like I've told people for a long time now. Okay, dude. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I misunderstood this quote. I thought he said he hit the driver poorly today. He's blaming the actual driver He's itself. He's blaming the driver. Hmm. Yeah, so I wanted to clarify. I wanted to read that for you so you could hear. No, no, he was not taking responsibility for hitting the driver poorly, Director Matthew. He's saying that if it hadn't been for the driver, the physical driver as made by Cobra, his sponsor, he could have played better, but the face, quote-unquote, is not good for him. He's living on the razor's edge, Matthew. You got to understand something. He's not like other guys. He's living on the razor's edge. You wouldn't understand. When you're a pioneer, a trendsetter, a guy changing the face of the game. You take chances others wouldn't dare. You're trying to accomplish something others can't fathom. You got to put yourself out there, buddy. You got to dare to dream. To engineer a new way of dominating the sport. So he hits 4 of 14 fairways, and he says, yet again, I'll read it, the driver sucks. It's not a good face for me. We're still trying to figure out how to make it good on my miss-hits. I'm living on the razor's edge like I've told people for a long time. <laughs> okay, I don't know what I like more. That he just comes out and rips the driver. You know, that's just great. Or whether it's better to laugh that off and point to the douchey. Part of the quote, which is that I'm living on the razor's edge, like I've told people for a long time. This ain't nom, Smokey. What are we doing here? <laughs> You're not in a fight for your life. Taking wild risks to provide the world your gift. What are we doing? So the next thing I thought about beyond how that encapsulates who he is and why it's fun to make fun of him and how it is that he loses in a landslide, the PR war with one Brooks Kepka. <laughs> he said, <laughs> he said this, he's directly calling out Cobra who no doubt pays him millions of dollars. So Cobra today was really excited to hear their highest profile player, Damage their driver's sales beyond repair. Their biggest, most impactful player for equipment sales is Bryson DeChambeau and nobody else. Now, they got other people, but he is their biggest influencer by far. And he just came out and said, this driver sucks. You can't blame your poor shots, your poor golf, in a given round or tournament 
or year on equipment and not have the repercussions be that people don't like you because you don't take responsibility. I'm kind of shocked he had, he admitted that he has mishits. Yeah, I mean, if you're Cobra Golf, how thrilled are you with that? That's a phone call. And you know what? I'll tell you something else I've learned in golf, and that that is these manufacturers and clothing giants, for example, apparel giants, have very real say and sway and aren't afraid to use it as it pertains to the top players in the world, meaning that you would think as an elite player, and I have given the example before, this I know happened. Jason Day at one point, hitting a tailor-made driver, was told that the new tailor-made is being released. Okay, so we're releasing the new tailor-made. Now, keep in mind, these players aren't hitting the clubs that you and I are hitting. These are all engineered perfectly for their swing, their body type, everything about them, right? Now, we can go get fitted and all that, but the the extent of the ta- – that's why a 7-iron isn't a 7-iron for your average player. It's also because they hit the ball in the center of the club face every single time and are better than we are and generate more club head speed. I'm not saying that. But they also have clubs that are engineered in such a way that we never could. So when you hear, hear about a guy hitting a 7-iron 240 yards, just know that you're not weak. It's that the club is very different in their hands because they're better than you, and it's also engineered to be better. So it's not the same thing. But anyhow, here's what I have come to understand, and I find this fascinating. TaylorMade, obviously, is used by many a pro, and their drivers are considered to be, uh, on tour anyhow, uh, the, the best in, in all the land, and, and they've had a huge impact on the game. When they endorse a player and they spend anywhere between 20 or $30 million on said player annually for them to use this equipment, Matthew, what they're doing is ensuring that when the latest version and this is an annual thing that we watch now. I mean, obviously, you've seen the equipment shows in Orlando. and This draws hundreds of thousands. I mean, they make gobs of money off this. So it's like when you get into golf, and a lot of you out there understand this, you get into it, I mean, you are you can't go past an Edwin Watts. You're just going to pull on in. Oh, what's the latest shirt? What's this design? The hat design? Uh, you know, the club design? What's this? Oh, the shoes. What are the latest? With the sh- oh, look at those shoes. Those shoes look great. So you, you can't help yourself. Well, that that's why they spend $20 million on Bryson DeChambeau. Hey, man, so when we come out with the new driver, you got to use it because we're trying to sell it. And we got to get all that money back that we're giving you. And we're giving you a lot. So we got to sell a hell of a lot of drivers to get that back worldwide. And they do or they wouldn't do it. This isn't boo-hoo to the manufacturer, but they would. They wouldn't do it. But here's generally what's understood. When, so Jason Day, back to this story. He's hitting a certain tailor-made, and he, at that point, was at his apex. It's before the vertigo and the back injuries and all that stuff starts to hit him. At that time, we forget, Jason Day was one of, if not uh, the best player in the world, and he's having incredible results. All right, so the way it works is that when the manufacturer comes out with a new club, oftentimes they will tell the player in advance, hey, look, uh, you know, you know, they're not going to make you change it overnight, but you've got 13 months or however long to begin to transition over to this other club because they want you. So if I'm if I'm using a driver that has a a, a black face, right, a, a black head to the club, okay, 
and the new driver has a uh, has lime green accents around it. People can tell that it's a different driver, so you're going to have to start using that one. Or if I'm using a white driver and the next driver that I make is black, or whatever it might be, then they can tell you're using last year's model. We need you to transition to this year's model. Now, again, it's usually not that big a deal because the player will then go test out and say, okay, well, I know you're selling that one, but I want the one that I use the same presets to be on this driver, I, I don't feel like making the switch. I want, you know, I like mine. And oh, by the way, I've ascended number one in the world. You probably want me to say somewhere in that realm, I'm still great at this using this driver. Can we, yeah, we can switch it up how it looks. So it looks like the new one, but it needs to be the way I hit this one. Well, I found out that uh, if you refuse and you won't make the change, they will tell you that you will 100% make the change. You don't have – the player doesn't get to tell the manufacturer, I'm not going to do it. They'll drop your ass. They're not doing it. They've got to sell equipment. So I thought that was fascinating. I always thought the player had more power than that. I know that ultimately they could walk, and there are very few players. Tiger Woods could do that. I mean, he could tell somebody, no, I'm not doing it, and they would have to acquiesce. He's Tiger Woods. But there aren't too many people that could do it. I mean, I know that – you know, if Brooks Kepka is getting $20 million a year from Nike to wear certain outfits, then he's going to wear those outfits no matter how ugly they are. And they are often very ugly. And you ask yourself, what are you doing? Why are you wearing that? He's not choosing to wear that. He didn't wake up and say, can't wait to wear this stupid-looking hat. They told him, you're going to wear this hat because we're selling the hell out of this hat. And that's all there is to it. And I dare say to you out there listening, if somebody paid you $20 million a year to put on a bright purple with yellow accents hat that said Nike with a bunch of stars all over it, you'd say, that's a dumb-looking hat. I'll never say that publicly, and I can't wait to put this sucker on. That's exactly what you'd do. And you'd try to make that sucker work. You'd rock the hell out of it. And you'd think as you looked in the mirror, God, that's ugly. And man, am I rich. And today, Brooks Kepka tells Cobra, suck it, this driver's terrible. <laughs> I didn't mean to say Brooks Kepka. Did I say Brooks Kepka? Bryson DeChambeau. Look, man, it's, uh, it, it, you, can't, you can't blame it on the club. Also, um, the thing I've noticed, and I think a point to make here is that, so Bryson's driver is four degrees. It's bizarre. Nobody hits a four-degree driver. He does. There are players, Phil has done this some, um, that have experimented with seven degrees and eight-degree drivers, things like that. But if you're going to look at the averages, if you're going to look at, like, Cameron Champ, who hits the ball a mile, Rory McIlroy, better example, hits the ball a mile, and their club is more traditionally set up, that is to say they're not using four-degree drivers. When you look at the driving distances, if you're looking at the average for the season um, in terms of uh, off the tee driving distance, Rory McIlroy is like three or four yards behind Bryson DeChambeau. Hey, man, maybe don't hit a four-degree driver. <laughs> That's all. But there is an answer to the question, why, why does that guy get picked on? There you go. It's always somebody else's fault. It's Jeff Cambridge at 97.9 ESPN Radio.
Wrapping it up, Jeff Cameron Show, 97.9 ESPN Radio. Hey, real quick, let me tease this. I, I should say this just because I've been asked about a lot about it today. Congratulations to my man T. Lizzie uh, signing on with Warchant.com. You know how much I love Tom Lang and how close we are. I'm very happy for him, and uh, I was excited to see uh, where where that was noted on uh, on Warchant.com that he has joined uh, their team. Of course, I knew. Uh, where he was headed, um, and and so that did not surprise me. But uh, just to see it confirmed for everybody, and to see a, a nice landing place, um, and that has led to real quick some questions to me about when it is I'm going to inform you of what we're doing on the Jeff Cameron Show, and and, and what's going to happen. Um, I actually have an answer for that, but I'm going to you know, just hold out. I'll let you know on Monday. Um, there, there's a reason for that. There, there's a a couple of reasons for that. Um, but be tuned in on Monday. I'll give you further clarification on what's happening to the Jeff Cameron show, where I'm headed, what we're doing, and, and all of that. I've got real good news for you. I'll just hint at that. I'm not trying to be overly secretive here. I've told you for a number of weeks that I would have an answer in the not-too-distant future, um, that uh, things were being worked on behind the scenes, and that is true. Um, and much to, uh, to my satisfaction, things have gone well on that front. I'm excited to tell you about a lot of people um, that I'm going to be working with, and uh, an opportunity to really grow this show, and, um, and 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 to be more multimedia. That's what I'll tell you. I mean, if you want access to this program and you want uh, the ability to to hear it uh, and see it um, and listen to it uh, the way you want to, uh, then 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 be happy because I've got good news coming for you on Monday. And uh, so you know, again. I keep I keep hearing from people. Hey, hey, what's going to happen here? Uh, we're excited for Tom, and you should be excited for Tom. What's what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Well, I'll just tell you. Again, I won't have any news tomorrow, uh, but I will be happy to to talk to you guys on Monday, and I'll have more information. So, the uh, the wait is 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 nearly over. Only one game tonight uh, in Major League Baseball. Before I get to probables, we'll do it. We got to do probables, even if it's just one game, because I miss doing probables. I miss. Uh, being able to talk about our friends at North Florida Payroll Services, which I'll mention in a moment. But I also, uh, I will say this. How great was it that, are we just going to keep the mic open on Fox during the All-Star game? Or are we just going to leave the mic open as we watch this thing close out? That was awesome. How many F-bombs and GDs in succession were we going to get? It is insight, certainly, into the way guys talk when competing at the highest level and not executing at the highest level simultaneously. That was really good. And and uh, and who was that? The closer for the White Sox, uh, Liam Hendricks. Yeah, is his name. That dude's awesome. I'm in love with that guy. My new favorite closer. How great is he? Funnier than hell. And then did you hear him? He basically didn't realize his mic was on. He's like, "Hey, man, you're mic'd up." No, I haven't heard anything all night. <laughs> Just straight dropping down F-bombs as he bounces one two feet of the, of the left batter's box. That is good. I also like, you know, when you get that kind of insight on a, a guy's personality and, and, and how animated they are which is great. Some people are very subdued and quiet and focused, don't say much, if anything, intense. Others are intense and animated and very vocal, and uh, and that's great, too. And there's every 
everybody in between. But what's funny is to hear a guy basically admit he doesn't have a pitch on a certain night. You know, I, I think that's baseball. That is something, you know, they do it during spring training a lot. If you tune into MLB Network during spring training, there's a player mic'd up for every game, usually multiple players. And you'll, I mean, while they're in the field, I don't know. It's certainly not, it's certainly better in that situation than it is in football. You know, for years we've watched NFL, excuse me, NFL coaches and college coaches come off the field in no mood to talk to our Lisa Saunders about what just happened, right? Like, we go down to so-and-so to ask Nick Saban his thoughts on how the half just ended. Well, if the half just ended with a turnover or a lack of execution of any kind, you're going to get a terse, angry, can't wait to be anywhere but here Nick Saban who wants to go cuss out his team for the lack of execution. And so the answers are very rarely insightful, yet we've done this for years now, it's not often, even from the very best of sideline reporters, of which there are really good ones who ask very pertinent questions, but they don't always get salient answers. It's very frustrating. You'll get the brush off and the whisked away coach for his with his personal assistant there to, to try to get him into the locker room. Um, whereas in baseball, I think it's awesome when you got guys mic'd up because you can glean real information. If you're standing around in right field of a spring training game, certainly – and a guy's fouling off pitches between, you know, between pitches, you have a chance to have a real conversation about what a guy's thinking. And I think the the hindrance in baseball to getting young people to watch the game is the pace. Now, I love the pace. I like having conversations with my father or my best friend or my wife or my kids in between pitches or in between at-bats or in between innings. For me, the pacing's perfect. It's far less frenetic than it is in football where everything is warrior status, crazy heightened, uh, let's do battle. You don't have time for nuanced conversation. It's kill, kill, kill. And in baseball, it's the opposite. It's a... How's your mom doing? You know, you're able to have these conversations. Well, the point would be, if you want to draw the younger people in, in my opinion, you've got to showcase all of the nuance that the game actually has the TV or sometimes in person, if you're not aware of it, won't provide. So knowing why he's shifting left six feet or six yards and getting an answer from a player as to what the pitcher is looking to do to the hitter, why he's then shifted where he has, well, we're probably, you know, you can flat out say as you're standing out there, well, we're probably throwing a slider away here. I'm going to move in into the more towards the foul line because he's not going to pull this. And, you know, now obviously if the pitch isn't executed, then you've just learned a little something about what happened. Let's say that ball creeps out over the plate a little much and your guy has shifted 10 yards to the left and now that ball lands. Well, now all of a sudden you know it's not the outfielder who couldn't get there. It's the pitcher who didn't execute the pitch. And you are on to something. You're on to the nuance of the game that makes it truly unique and interesting. You're playing chess, not checkers. But it's hard sometimes if you're a 13-year-old kid and you're see ball, hit ball, but not extremely knowledgeable about all aspects of the game. Sitting and watching that for anybody who's a, a, a thinking girl or guy uh, would be, to me, pretty interesting. All of a sudden, you'd glean inside. You'd say... Oh, well, this is fascinating. Okay, now I know that that ball was hit that way because this guy failed to execute, or maybe the batter adjusted well. He moved in on the plate, expecting that pitch, whatever it might be. You have time in that sport to mic up players and let them tell you why 
what you're seeing looks the way that it does. And not just that, but the players know who the funniest players oh. are as well. So, like, I don't know if you saw it, but when Freddie Freeman was mic'd up in whatever inning he was mic'd up in and Judge was at bat, it got to, like, 2-1, and Freeman's like, I, I need a strike here because if he walks, I'm going to look like a child. <laughs> I'm 6'5". I don't need to be looking like, like a child. A child right. So, like, that's another endearing fact or uh, aspect that you can use. Yeah, to promote players. Yeah. Promote the – you see their personalities. Yeah, absolutely to your point. Yeah, I, I love it. I also – I mean, I get that there might be certain times you wouldn't want that, you know, you wouldn't want to hear what a player – you wouldn't – a manager or a team wouldn't want to, to hear what a player is saying – whether it's a, a certain strategy that gives away the way you scout a player or something like that. I, I get there are certain, but then there are obvious things. Uh, I also know that there are times where it's super intense. And if you were a player who was Mike, you might say, look, I, I'm going to need you to protect me here. I mean, I am apt in the spirit of competition to say something that probably is not uh, suitable uh, given the FCC uh, rules. Like when I bounce a slider two pitches in a row, uh, you know, five yards off the plate. I may say something colorful that you don't want coming out over the airwaves. That was great. I mean, I was, instantly I was like, woo. But that's how guys talk. If you're ever close to the field and you listen to guys in the midst of competition and they're not executing or they're not able to get on top of something, you'll hear them. I mean, they loud and clear about their frustrations. How many times you watch a guy pop a ball up on the infield and immediately resonating throughout the echoing throughout the stadium is him F bomb at the top of his lungs, slamming the bat down, knowing damn well he just missed belt high center cut and popped it up to the second baseman like an a-hole. That is mm, infinitely frustrating. It's hard enough to get a pitch to hit. When you get one and pop it up, you're gonna hear the anger. Cue it up. Let's get to the Probables? Yeah, barely. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, probables? Probable is brought to you by North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today at NorthFordaPayroll.com. Red Sox, Yankees, Yankees looking to get it in gear and certainly play better against their hated rivals. They've been owned by the Bo Sox so far this year. Tonight's matchup at 7.08, the only game on television, easily findable. ESPN will carry it. Eduardo Rodriguez going to start for the Red Sox. Domingo Harmon going to start for the Yankees. Both having similar seasons. Average. Average seasons for these two gentlemen. And that's a look at those that shall reside on the bump. It's okay. I know nothing's wrong, nothing. I got plenty of time. 
was a fun show. Thanks so much for listening to it. We really appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. I couldn't wait to get back in here. In fact, I woke up uh, early this morning excited to talk sports with you guys. Having missed yesterday, didn't mean to miss yesterday. My apologies for that. I know we've been off a lot lately. Some of that has to do with the situation around here. Some of that has to do with me with uh, compiled vacation time, making sure I get mine, but also knowing that uh, it's a dead period of time. This is normally when we take a good bit of time off. I mean... There's one game of baseball, for example, being played today. So there's that. So please forgive, but thanks for listening in. We do appreciate it. Like I said, more information about the future of the Jeff Cameron Show, where it will be housed, how it's going to look, where I'm going to be, who I'm going to be doing that with, all that stuff. That's forthcoming mostly on Monday. Some things have already begun to leak out, but uh, I'll, I'll clarify everything on Monday. We're back with you tomorrow on a Live Asians Friday. We'll definitely do it, so join us again. Great job out of you, Director Matthew, as always. Uh, for those of you that listened, like I said, Dolphin of the Cap, See you later, YouTubers. Be well, everybody. Have a great night. We'll talk to you tomorrow.